Welcome, everyone, to our NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. On this edition of our show, I'll be joined by WAC Commissioner Brian Thornton and Stu Jackson. He is currently the Executive Associate Commissioner of the Big East, but next month in April, he will be the Commissioner of the WCC. I just want to get sort of a general sort of feel from both of you, and then we're going to dive into both of your career paths and where we are right now in college athletics. Uh, Brian, we'll start with you about uh, just, you know, this overall landscape of where we are and the challenges that you face as a conference commissioner. Thanks for having thanks for having both of us, Andy. Before I get started, you know, it's uh, it's an honor to, to share this social series opportunity with Stu Jackson. Um, he's been somebody that I've really looked up to from afar and for a long time. Ironically, we've uh, we've known each other for a long time. Um, our families have crossed paths. Um, I actually had, I think, maybe the very first Vancouver Grizzlies T-shirt ever made um, because my stepmother and, um, and and Stu's wife were college roommates. So we've um, we've known each other for a very long time. So it's an honor to be on here with him today. All right. Well, before you even answer my question, then, Stu, uh, tell me about this relationship that the two of you, you know, have shared. And when you hear something like that from someone who's younger, who is now in this same path. How does that make you feel? Well, um, it, it makes me feel feel good, but it just means I'm a lot older. Um, <laughs> you know, with that being said, uh, you know, before I even uh, met Brian, uh, you know, one thing I did always know that he was from good stock. I mean, his uh, his his father and his stepmother are just wonderful people and uh, dear friends of mine. So uh, from the time he was a, a young man, he had a chance and uh, he's made the most of that chance, uh, obviously. Um, you know, one of the first times I actually met Brian, um, I counseled him, at least I'd like to think that I counseled him. And uh, at the time he wanted to coach Andy and I really advised him against that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, after dipping his toe in the water, uh, hopefully he took my advice, but uh I cherish, uh, you know, the relationship with him uh, as well as his family. All right, so we're going to get back to, because I we're, we're in a different direction right now, and I like where we're going. I want to get back to the sort of state of college athletics with, with the two of you in a second. Let's go to what Stu just raised, Brian, which is why did you choose this path of administration, you know, in the NCAA and enforcement and with the American Athletic Conference after you played at Xavier as a basketball player? instead of being coaching, which ultimately all this administrative work led you to being one of the 32 Division I conference commissioners? You know, Stu hit the nail on the head. And ironically, I did spend 10 years on a basketball sideline as an assistant coach at, um, at Xavier, at Furman, which had a great run as well um, this year, and at Ball State where and, and Winthrop as well. So I spent time 10 years being an assistant basketball coach, which gave me a phenomenal understanding of the landscape and understanding how basketball works. But as time went on, I kind of started to get a feel for what that was going to look like as you play out the next 25 to 30 years. And what I quickly uh, understood and made a decision on was that um, I didn't like the necessarily the way that was going to look for my family um, over the long haul. And so I decided to pivot and to maybe transition into administration where I'd have a, a, a greater opportunity to maybe control um, our family's destiny and our location. And, um, and that's when I decided to make the move to the NCAA 
which was a phenomenal opportunity. Um, really appreciate those guys there. Jeremy McCool was a, a huge mentor of mine who's a director of enforcement there. And what that allowed me to do was to come to the NCAA at a time that was very critical. It was a time where the transfer portal was becoming a new thing. Um, name, image, and likeness was really starting to come to the surface. And I was able to provide a different perspective because I had spent 10 years most recently on the sidelines and was able to provide a perspective that a lot of people in the building, quite honestly, didn't have. And that allowed me to be in some conversations that were probably, quite honestly, a little bit above my pay grade. And, um, and once I had some of those opportunities to be around decision makers, um, it started to point me in the direction of potentially going into conference office life. Stu, at what point when you were, you know, you had the, you coached at Wisconsin, you had the whole Vancouver uh, expansion situation with the NBA, you worked for the NBA, ultimately landed back in college athletics in the Big East. At what point did you say, you know what, I want to stay at this level rather than go back to coaching? Um, yeah, I, I'd have to say that um, my reasons were very similar to Brian in that when I decided to um, you know, enter, you know, solely administration or, you know, the executive uh, path in, in sports was really after I coached at the University of Wisconsin and uh, was there for a couple of years. Um, you know, we, we did well, obviously, but, you know, I got a call and the opportunity to join the Vancouver Grizzlies, which was an expansion franchise uh, starting out. Uh, you know, in a new country, really with a new sport, uh, which was intriguing to me. But then following, you know, my time in Vancouver, having the opportunity to come back to the NBA office where I had been two previous years uh, prior to Wisconsin, um, I jumped on the opportunity and had, uh, you know, almost 14 great years at the NBA. Um, after, you know, uh, leaving the NBA, um, you know, I took a, a year off and uh, gave some careful thought to what I wanted to do next. And, uh, you know, my friend Val Ackerman called and said, hey, why don't you come and help me out at the Big East, which at the time was a little bit of a um, volatile situation, scary situation, because no one really knew uh, what the Big East would become if they would become anything at all. So uh, here we are, you know, basically nine years later. And I'm entering a new chapter of my life uh, as a commissioner, uh, feeling well prepared uh, by my experience in the Big East, particularly working with Val uh, to, you know, go upon this new venture. So that, that's another great window here for us in that, you know, the Big East, the time you're talking about, they get rid of football. It's all basketball only. Obviously, there's been tremendous success uh, since that has happened. You know, three teams this season in the Sweet 16. Teams from the Midwest have come in and done done very well in the Big East. Um, you know, your new job that you'll start in mid-April in the WCC. You know, one member BYU is going to the Big 12. We don't know what's going to happen with other membership. We 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 don't know yet. And uh, but that could be an issue, a challenge. Brian, you've had a lot of movement within the WAC, which is the nature of alignment issues. Um, so Brian, and then Stu, just how. How does a commissioner navigate, uh, you know, the current membership? You don't have to get into specifics here, but just, you know, dealing with your current members and always sort of looking ahead that, okay, one may move, I may have to grab, that that's the sort of the, the, the era that we're in right now. 
You know, you're right. That is the era we're in. There's so much realignment that's taking place, and there's always a trickle down that takes place when one team or one program moves from one conference to another. You know, I think that you can be prepared to a point. Um, and, you know, obviously people can feel like they get blindsided at times, but ultimately people will make the decisions and universities will make the decisions that they feel like are in the best interest of of growing their programs and growing their universities. And that's something that um, here in the WAC, we're trying to be proactive as possible. Um, we're trying to always communicate with our membership and to just make sure that this is a place that they're happy. You know, I think that we've done a really good job in the last few years of continuing to build the WAC. And we want this to be an attractive place for the membership that we have, that this is a place that they want to call home and it's not a just a stopgap. And also, you know, if there's opportunities for future membership that they want to look at us as a place where they can continue to elevate their programs as well. You know, I think the thing that we've tried to do um, in recent times is to be collaborative with other conferences. We have a, a collaboration with the ASUN from a football standpoint, which has been really good and beneficial for the last couple of years. We're working with Conference USA on a scheduling initiative for both men's and women's basketball. And, you know, with uh, Stu and I's relationship, hopefully we'll find ways to work together as well. But I think the more that you can collaborate with other conferences, um, that you can continue to keep your membership happy. Stu? Yeah, um, yeah, certainly I would follow up on Brian's points in that, you know, this goes without saying how uh, volatile a situation it is in college athletics with respect to realignment. And, you know, as I embark upon this new venture at the uh, West Coast Conference, um, I, I, you know, I agree with Brian. I think it's it behooves us and it's prudent to continually uh, understand the landscape with respect to uh, realignment. Um, especially in our own situation, um, the fact that BYU is in fact leaving the conference uh, and whether they stayed or whether they were going to go, I think we have to continue to look at opportunities uh, at institutions that would enhance the West Coast Conference that are aligned uh, with, um, you know, our co current conference members' values and, uh, you know, their mission uh, which is to make basketball a priority. Um, unlike the WAC, we don't have football. And, and that's uh, both a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, obviously my experience at the Big East, it's been very much of a blessing uh, in terms of just having basketball and being basketball-centric because that's really what you think about 24 hours a day and seven days a week. So being able to, able to add institutions that have that same uh, mission uh, is something that we will be, uh, you know, I would say aggressive uh, in trying to find uh, like-minded institutions. So you're entering the WCC and this predates you, but the Russell rule um, obviously came out of the WCC. Bill Russell, the most famous uh, alum player in, in WCC history, just passed away within the last year, uh, played obviously everyone knows at USF and a historic career. What does the Russell rule mean to you, Stu, and, and your hope of it continuing? Well, I, I think it's uh, it, it means something to me on two levels. Uh, certainly personally, um, it's a rule that I think is of great value because it removes the obstacle of uh, – not having opportunity. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about diverse hiring, whether it be 
uh, gender, race, or whatever. Uh, it's really op the only thing that really stands in the way of uh, good candidates is the opportunity. And at some level, the Russell rule provides that. Uh, now, secondly, having the, uh, you know, the, the responsibility of actually uh, making sure that our members are compliant with that rule also means something on behalf of the conference. I think it's a, a, a terrific rule. Uh, it's a rule that, quite frankly, many other conferences around the country, uh, for one reason or the other, have not been able uh, to get to that place. But, you know, all credit goes to Gloria Navarro's and, and, and the member institutions in the WCC for implementing the rule. I mean, listen, I mean, there's probably a good chance that I benefited from, you know, the Russell rule myself and actually having this opportunity uh, to engage with the search committee uh, for the WCC, which ultimately, unfortunately for me, resulted in uh, being named commissioner. Brian, uh, along that path, um, you know, we're, we're, we're making good progress. We're not all the way there. When you think about the six Western conferences, um, two now are led by African-American men, a third, Gloria Narraris, who used to be at WCC, now Mountain West Conference, a Hispanic woman. Um, you know, clearly things are working in the right direction in terms of diverse hires. So that's half of the six Western Division I conferences uh, led by people of color. What, what does that tell you, Brian, of, of where we are now and where we potentially could be going? I think it just goes to show that, um, like Stu said, it's about opportunity. And you know, putting people in positions to to lead and to excel. And you know, I think that it's a it's an awesome thing nationally to see the amount of leadership, um, both at the institutional level, um, the university level, and also at the conference commissioner level, where you're starting to see more diversity there. And as Stu said, a lot of that comes from, quite honestly, the opportunity to even be a fr in front of some of these search committees. Um, at every level. Um, I think only a few years ago, there was, you know, maybe one or two uh, minority commissioners around the country. And now there's, you know, six or seven. And that's a that's a, a huge number in the grand scheme of things from where maybe we were, you know, five or 10 years ago. So I, I think that we're all grateful that are in these roles. And, you know, it's our job and our responsibility to be caretakers, to be examples, um, to, to work hard and to try to be successful and provide the next opportunities for those coming up behind us. So conference commissioners obviously have a lot of power, uh, certainly those that, that have high profile football, but it's, it's different, obviously, at the NCAA president level. You've got the board that you have to report to. And I know both of you report to your presidents, but there is an enforcement power that you can have similar to what you had at the NBA. Um, how do you manage that? Uh, and I know you you were not the commissioner in the Big East, but obviously you were part of decision-making there, and now you're going to be uh, at the top of the food chain, for, for lack of a better term, in the WCC. How, how do you manage knowing that the decisions can rest with you in this position? And Brian, maybe dovetail on the backside of that, of uh, you know decisions that you have to make. No, it's it's interesting, Andy. I, I don't um, I wouldn't refer to it necessarily as power per se, but more of uh, having representation. In other words, I, I think 
you know, being a commissioner, you have two really distinct possibilities. And one is uh, reporting to and reporting up, as you mentioned, to your presidents and your board. But as importantly, uh, making sure that you uh, represent with some level of integrity, um, you know, the suggestions, the feedback, um, the plans, the strategy of all of those that report to those presidents. And that can be the SWAs, the athletic directors, the coaches, the student athletes. And because of that, it's not necessarily power, but a huge responsibility of which you are the cog in the wheel. And, you know, if you approach it from that mindset, I, I, I think, you know, the, the times that you actually need to, uh, quote unquote, uh, which you implied, lay down the laws that re with respect to competition, uh, that's the easy part because they're usually bright line, your know, rules, administrations, and policy. Uh, what becomes, uh, you know, interesting and the most fun is how do you manage, you know, both groups, be it, you know, the presidents and those that report to them uh, as uh, a steward, uh, as a commissioner. Yeah, I can I can certainly jump in on that as well. While I was a power forward <laughs> at Xavier, um, you know, when you're a commissioner, you're like a point guard. You have to be a facilitator and you have to be able to distribute information um, to those who need it and to work with all of your constituents, as Stu said. Um, you know, I think that the way I've approached it is that my job is to work with the athletic directors, SWAs, and work for um, the presidents and work for the student athletes. Because ultimately, I think with all that is taking place in college athletics these days, all the money that's involved, um, realignment, all the things that we've talked about so far today, it's easy sometimes for us all to lose sight of exactly why we're doing this. And we're doing this for the student athlete experience and to try to make their experience a memorable one and to prepare them best for life beyond um, being on a basketball court or a football field or, um, or on the soccer field. So um, how can we best position them? And I love what Stu said about being kind of the cog in the wheel. That's where we are. And um, there are certainly hard decisions that have to be made. Um, you know, we have a sounding board. We all have a board of directors that we work with, and it's our job to um, to give them information and to help them make this, the best decisions for the ac the athletic um, representation of their institutions. And um, conferences are, are are built in different ways, and there's there's different motivations that different schools have. And your job is to be that facilitator, that point guard and to make sure that you're always putting the best interests of the conference at large um, at the top. All right, before we wrap up, I'm going to put a bow on this, come back to my original question, which is I want to hear from both of you. Start with you, Stu, and uh, Brian, you're going to have the last word. Uh, here in the first quarter uh, basketball term here of 2023, Stu, what is the most pressing issue in Division I college athletics that conference commissioners will be facing? Uh, for me, um, the lever that will dictate the future of co college athletics um, is dependent on name, image, and likeness. And we all know about the you know volatile environment that we're in right now that doesn't seem to appear to be settling in any time soon. 
uh, and being able to navigate uh, as an institution and as a conference, um, you know, through name, image, and likeness that, you know, can both benefit student athletes and at the same time sustain, you know, a business model um, for conferences and institutions is, you know, a, a difficult task ahead. And, and in my mind, that's the number one issue that we face, at least in the immediate future. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to to really get past that. Um, the name, image, and likeness piece is, is a huge one, and it's really how it relates to everything within the space, how that affects transfers, um, how it um, affects the integrity of recruiting. Quite honestly, it you know, I, I spent 10 years coaching, and I know Stu coached as well. Like, I couldn't imagine being a coach right now. You know, I think one thing that's important for us to think about is, you know, the transfer portal opened last week. And um, so many teams were still playing. And there's a disadvantage that was was created during that time where um, where teams should be preparing for the most important part of their season. And I know that assistant coaches and head coaches are on the phone with kids in the portal right now while they're trying to prepare for the biggest games of their entire season. So I think that the way that transfer portal works along with the way the name, image, and likeness works together. And hopefully with our new NCAA president, Charlie Baker, there's there's ways that we can work collaboratively with Congress to figure out a way to kind of settle the landscape and to allow student athletes to certainly take care uh, or to take advantage of who they are and what they bring to the table. I certainly wish that there was a way to get some of that retroactively as a student athlete, but also to, to protect the integrity of the game and allow it to move forward in a great and productive way, because it is certainly um, an awesome, awesome opportunity. Well, I'll tell you, both conferences are in great hands with the two of you now and going forward. I really appreciate your time, Brian Thornton, current WAC commissioner, and Stu Jackson, the upcoming pending WCC commissioner, take will take the job full-time here next month, as always. You can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.